Welcome to the conversations that carry us, the conversations that nous soutiennent. I am your host, Geneviève Wallen. I am an independent curator, writer, researcher, and workshop facilitator. In this episode, there is no magic formula. Pamela Edmonds and I delve into the ins and outs of guest curating and trace her exciting career that spans from the late 90s until now. Pamela transmits a wealth of information about how she experimented with curation while functioning both inside and outside of mainstream institutions. She shares the involving nature of her practice by delineating the social political climates that filled her work. Additionally, we talk about making our own tables and sitting at them, the negotiations inherent to curatorial work, we unpack notions of visibility as Black women curators, highlight the importance of eye carving, and finding guidance in other people's cultural contributions, we think through what curial longevity can look like, and finally, we tackle how there's no magic formula in curating, as each project is its own, and all we can do is learn from our failures and successes. I'm thrilled by this episode since Pamela Edmonds is someone I first admired from afar when studying art history at Concordia in the early 2000s, and let's face it, it was pretty white. And so, I am deeply grateful for Dr. Alice Mingwei Jim for bringing Pamela's MA thesis and her presence in academia to my attention. Also, luckily for me, Pamela guided me through my first curatorial gig out of grad school in 2015 and 2016, and I am beyond grateful to call her my friend. Pamela Edmonds is a visual and media arts curator whose research focuses on contemporary Canadian art and the politics of representation. Her work is informed by critical dialogues related to cross-cultural curating and social practice, exploring the impact of Black diaspora cultures on the evolving geography of global contemporary art. Originally from Montreal, Edmonds holds a BFA in studio art, slash art history and an MA in art history from Concordia University. She began her curatorial career in Halifax in programming roles at the Anna Leo Nowens Gallery at Nascad University, Dalhousie University Art Gallery, Mount St. Vincent University Art Gallery, the Black Cultural Center for Nova Scotia, to name a few. She has also held position at A-Space Gallery in Toronto, the Art Gallery of Peterborough, and Thames Art Gallery in Chatham, Ontario, and was appointed Senior Curator at the McMaster Museum of Art in Hamilton. Edmonds is currently based Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, also known as Halifax in Nova Scotia. She is currently the Director Curator at the Dalhousie Art Gallery. We acknowledge that Halifax is covered by the Treaties of Peace and Friendship, in which Mi'kma'ki, Wadistakiyik, and Passamaquoddy peoples first signed with the British Crown in 1725. The treaties did not deal with surrender of lands and resources, but in fact recognized Mi'kma'ki and Wadistakiyik title and established the rules for what was to be an ongoing relationship between nations. This episode was recorded in the spring of 2022, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do.
Pamela and Mens, thank you so much for being here with me today and accepting my invitation to explore um, kind of like notions around um, what it is to be a guest curator. Um, I think it's something that you, you know, that you inevitably do as a curator. Um, you are invited to curate, um, you know, an exhibition, exhibition with programming, um, you know. And so through with that invitation, your title comes with guest, <laughs> guest curator, highlighting that you are there for a short time, highlighting that you are not part of the institution, but that you have been brought in for a certain mission. But before we dive into that, I think it's really important. It's crucial. People need to know. But who are you, Pamela Edmonds? Please describe your keto practice, okay. and then we'll we'll go from there. Okay. So hi, hi, Jen. Thanks <laughs> for the uh, invitation. So for most of my practice, so to speak, uh, as a curator, I've worked with in institutions and outside of them for, you know, over 20 years now. And I've worked in different types of art institutions from co-ops, artist-run centers, public galleries, museums, you know, you name it. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, I've put work in, um, in uh, grocery stores, in uh, gardens, and it's always been important for me to explore what curating is and what it does in, in different spaces. I never really planned to be a cur curator, so to speak. And it's, it's interesting because when I tell people that is what I do, that I'm a curator, that uh, for folks that are outside of the arts community, they don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's, it's right? been kind of used also loosely for different things, like curating a menu, curating right. a playlist. So a lot of people are a bit lost and just wonder, like, what what is mm. curating? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I studied art art history. I I actually hadn't planned, like I said, to be a curator, but I've always been interested in art. <laughs> I've always been interested in art for, you know, since I can, you know, first remember drawing on everything, drawing on walls, drawing, you know, drawing, driving my parents crazy. Um, and, you know, I studied to uh, be a painter originally, Oh, uh, I did not know that. Yeah. All yeah, the years yeah. we've known all each other. <laughs> what? All these years? Yeah. Yeah. Not a <laughs> great painter, mind you, but I, that's what I studied. Well, that's and, awesome. And I met a lot of really great people, a lot of great mentors. Um, and it was at a particular time in the late 90s where there was a lot of discussion around postmodernism, post-structuralism, and all those buzzwords around questioning mm -hmm. the institution, kind of similar to what's happening today, but in a more underground level, I would say. And mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of artists that I knew of, you know, Indigenous artists, Black artists, queer artists, you know, 
artists that sort of felt marginalized that weren't getting exhibitions. And we were just kind of a collective of folks who wanted to see our work in the public realm. Mm -hmm. And so we um, worked together. And I think a lot of artists at that time did curating as a sort of DIY approach and putting our work in you know, mm -hmm. cafes and restaurants and in our apartments. And, mm -hmm. you know, it sort of developed for me into a bigger practice. And I eventually, you know, went back to school, but there's a, you know, to study art history. So I did an MA at Concordia. I did my BFA mm -hmm. at Concordia too in Montreal. Um, but I was really interested in exploring why there was such a void in mm -hmm. um particularly within the work of black canadian artists like very little research very little public very few publications like there was alice jim's uh thesis which i treasured i had had that thesis out of the library i think the almost the entire time i was at concordia about uh um black women where when when and where we enter which was yeah, with dawa with Dawa, which is mm -hmm. actually amazingly doing a, I think it's maybe 30 year uh, reunion soon. I know. Andrea it's Fatona. so exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. We'll put the details in the show now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was yeah. what, you know, the first documented exhibition by Black Canadian women artists that traveled across Canada. And Alice uh, wrote about that exhibition with great artists like Busseji Bailey and Grace Channer and Mosa McNeely and other artists who really were about, you know, claiming space as Black Canadian women, creating work that was about their lived experiences and realities. And I was really inspired by that as a, you know, as a young artist trying to figure out my own voice mm -hmm. and vision and, um, you know, it continue, it has continued to inspire me in the work that I did collectively, like working in a, uh, a Black women's art collective in Nova Scotia called Sister Visions. And we did our own series of exhibitions between 1998 and 2001. And um, yeah, the, the trajectory continues. And so, yeah. and I was know. inspired by you. <laughs> Well, you know, that's great you know? to hear because, you know, you're kind of focused and working and, and just, I just had a vision inspired by those other women that I saw that kind of just, you know, took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and just were not about waiting for the door mm -hmm. to be opened, but mm -hmm. went in and walked through the door, created their own, like, you know, people talk about that seat at the table, right? But, yeah. you know, they created their own table and they sat exactly. at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? What about right? having our own tables? And yeah. I was also thinking um, earlier about visibility. And and then I think I came to the census anyway for myself. Like, I understand that. Um, I understand that not everybody would, like, feel this way. But for me... I was thinking, well, the people who are meant to see me are seeing me, and therefore, I actually never felt invisible. Mm -hmm. um, and but I understand, you know, there's there is a structure of recognition um, that is in place 
um, that we all desire to be part of and uh, be integrated in. But in the question of who do I want to be visible to, I am visible to the people that I want to be visible to. And therefore, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's a question of resources and a question of documentation because there's always been artists you know, from many different communities, from these marginalized communities, making work, having exhibitions, but the question or the issue is, is that the work isn't put being put into, you know, the, the canon and a say about what that means. And and, and also the um, kind of like national or provincial or local, like archives. Also, it's really Mm -hmm. important. That's where, Yes, this that's where the presence is is lacking. And that's why I say that like my position is definitely debatable <laughs> in the sense of who are we archiving and what makes up in terms of like the broader, you know, what makes in, in the broader uh collective imagination. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely space to debate about, you know, um my own definition of visibility, but yeah. But I think, well, I consider myself also an archivist. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important for the legacy of our cultural communities that we do document. And because if I never saw that thesis, yeah. I would have never known about these women. And maybe I wouldn't have been a curator. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it, yeah, it was, yeah. It, one thing led to another, but you know, I understand what you're saying about being within the mainstream and that's why it's important for me to kind of be inside and outside of those organizations. That's why mm-hmm. I spent most of my career as an independent because I didn't want to necessarily feel like I was assimilating. And because for me, you know, I, even though I, I don't know if I'm so t- comfortable with the idea of my practice being activism per se, because I see, you know, how other folks are on the line, so to speak. And for Mm -hmm. me, I see that uh, what I'm interested in is institutional critique. For me, I see how things have changed, how, how being within an institution can change. Like for the past three years, I've worked at, as a senior curator at, at McMaster Museum of Art, right? And I've been able to recommend, for example, the work of artists um, like Denise Tomasos, uh, like Tim mm-hmm. Whiten, emerging um, artists like Bedemi Olayade, and that for mm-hmm. the collection, who, uh, you know, a lot of times our committees are not familiar with. And so for me, those works will be taken care of they'll be shown hopefully in future with other exhibitions. And so these artists were producing work that is important to the broader Canadian story and that they should be part of these collections too. So that's part of the institutional change that's important, right? I feel. Yeah. Can you, um, since we're, we're tracing your career and talking about your practice, I was actually very curious about what was your first gig and how that went? Because I think, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's always like the first gig, you know, that you're out of school and then, or 
you know, you don't have to go to school to do it. But I'm, I'm thinking like, it's always then that you're like, okay, I guess Mm -hmm. that's curating. And it, it's always a bit more complex than uh, one would think in terms of uh, different variables with the space, uh, deliver of artwork, install, but also uh, the way that we uh, care for relationships also during that time, uh, resources, how they come, how they're lacking. Uh, yeah, can you describe your first gig? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, when I graduated, I moved swiftly back home to Nova Scotia. <laughs> I was seeing that I don't think I'm going to make a lot of I don't know if I can make an income here as a practicing artist in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And I had a young uh, daughter at the time. And so um, I moved back to Halifax. And the first job I had was actually as a curatorial assistant at the Black Cultural Center for Nova Scotia in 1998. Mm. Does it still exist? It is. It's been there since uh, 1975 in Cherry Brook in Nova Scotia. Yeah, an amazing uh, cultural center. And I was, uh, uh, yeah, curatorial assistant to Dr. Henry Bishop. And um, who was, you know, the, the center's longtime chief curator. And I mostly did education tours, but um, the museum and center has a library permanent collections about the history of black settlement in Nova Scotia but there's also you know quilts um theater recordings you know ephemera Mm. about about the communities and it was just a great place to be I was there just for a summer and I recognized the importance of you know, the historical component of, mm-hmm. of curating, but then also, you know, I w- had the opportunity in Halifax to work lots of contracts, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, Mount St. Vincent University Art Gallery, I had a chance to work on a, um, education for an exhibition of Romare Bearden, which was an amazing opportunity. Uh, I worked at Dalhousie Art Gallery, And I just started to kind of, and, you know, build my, what do you call it? My, you know, my, my interests, you know, my interests, my skills, skills. Okay. And, and I got to see, and I was mentored by a lot of really amazing people and I got to see them at their jobs and what, how they were organizing exhibitions. And so, you know, as they say, you know, people don't really learn in school, <laughs> you know, you get that's true. Piece, no, you, you right? come out pretty unprepared. You can yeah, write yeah. a thesis about yeah. the show and, and curating, but there's a lot of things you don't know when you get there's out of school. A lot of things you don't know. And you sort of learn, you know, you, you learn on your feet and that's what mm-hmm. I, I got to do over time. And I was really fortunate. Yeah. To have a lot of great mentors. And so mentorships is, become really important to me after you know gaining my own experience and that's why I think what you're doing with the podcast like with this project is really important because people get to hear from folks that you know the the lessons that they learned and um and it's important for me to mentor uh emerging artists 
or I'm sorry, emerging curators and work with emerging artists but yeah, on, yeah. on mentorship programs, particularly around um, Black and Indigenous curators because, and, you know, POC curators, because we have a particular <laughs> sometimes, you know, uh, difficulty in the field because we're pretty marginal in the broader scheme of things in mm. terms of professional, um, the professional landscapes. And, yeah. and, and, and your support it, was tremendous to me and I started aw. and still and still yes well your work's inspiring and you know I I I sort of feel like I'm always well I, I'm a constant learner right I I'm mm -hmm. I'm I mean art is one of those fields where it integrates so deeply in so many areas of life, you know, philosophy and poetry and performance. Mm -hmm. I studied also and was really interested in film and video. So I, I programmed a lot of video and film screenings in Halifax and was part mm -hmm. of a filmmakers co-op. And, you know, I was just really interested and curious about how programs came together in a lot of You've ways. done so much. I mean, I think I'm, I'm curious about like that, maybe that show like when you started that really kind of like anchored you as a curator maybe that like mm. when you did that show you're like okay that's what I'm doing yeah it's funny I, I I've been corresponding with a friend of mine um in 1998 I worked with a, a curator he was actually an, a cultural intern at NASCAD at uh, Nova Scotia College Art and Design Mm -hmm. And we, he called me up. I was working at, uh, as a program manager at a place called the Multicultural Arts Resource Center. <laughs> so it was like a small, really small gallery on Barrington Street in Halifax that showcased the work of uh, diverse cultural artists. And mm. he called me up and he's like, oh, you're interested in co-curating with me. <laughs> I'm working at NASCAD. And I'm interested in, in, you know, and in, in bringing together a show that is exploring the idea of skin as a political boundary. That was the name of the show. Hmm. And, um, and it was, it's interesting because it's, it was looking at art from a really interdisciplinary almost like transcultural perspective, which I feel like, oh, okay, this is what, like a globalized perspective. And I think that's kind of taken for granted now, that sort of multidisciplinary mm. intercultural kind of way of looking at art and artists. Hmm. But, you know, 25 years ago, it wasn't, it didn't happen that often. And really? so- That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so we co-curated that exhibition um, with, you know, uh, Janice Kun, who's a, you know, Japanese artist, David mm -hmm. Green, Caribbean, Canadian mm -hmm. artist, uh, Kim Kane, who's African Nova Scotian, uh, you know, just a, a interesting variety of artists. And uh, it kind of I really got interested in the co-curatorial collaborative process because mm. for one, as a young curator, the onus isn't all on you, which can be kind of scary. Yeah, I did that. It's scary. It is. It can be scary. <laughs> right? A little bit solo. Yeah. Yeah. But then you also have somebody to bounce ideas off of, mm -hmm. which is kind of nice, yes. you know, to say, well, what do you think about this? Okay. Maybe we do that. And so I, I always, uh, 
have used, you know, um, collaboration as a methodology. I've always been really interested in that. Mm-hmm. And so I continue to do that. Like I'm very interested in it as a way to move away from this idea of the curator as this like sole authority who's like yes. a neutral voice mm-hmm. on a particular artist or movement. I always yeah. seen myself more in relation with the artists. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always conscious of that sort of power dynamic, the hierarchy, and I never wanted to be the kind of curator that was, um, you know, saying, well, selecting an artist and okay, we're going to do this. Like I always, I'm trying to be in relation with them. In conversation. Yeah. In conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, yeah. curating is very much about having a trust relationship with artists yeah, and um, building that over time so that they know that, you know, you're, you got their back. And you're yeah. Especially in, in the role right? of being a guest curator, because yeah. you're bringing them in an institution. Mm-hmm. And so there's also this kind of like part of your, I would say, quote unquote, duty responsibility is to also protect them as much as you can. Sometimes, you know, um, sometimes failing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it does happen. And I think it needs to be addressed that um, despite doing all of your best and really wanted to be caring, um, there are moments where that care can fall short. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, not really understanding the resources that you have at hand from the institution that you're invited in. In terms of like those lessons of of guest curating and and thinking through your your relationships with artists um something that like I think was very salient when we had a conversation was about also defining maybe like the word guest and then like how does that sort of play in terms of Mm. like your the way you navigate institutions um when you are invited so can you talk a little bit about that like do you yeah yeah, I, I I see if I'm a guest, then I should be treated <laughs> as a guest. And that mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, it's also building a trust relationship with whoever is inviting you into those spaces. And mm-hmm. so for me, I I try to um, find out as much as I can about the organization beforehand. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to see or even get to see the artist contract to know what they're being offered. But, you know, if I have a good trust relationship with the artist, then I say, OK, well, this is with the artist fee. So I'm advocating for that, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain level, because I think you yeah. start with the base, right? You go, OK, well, mm-hmm. this is what this is what's being offered. But, you know, there's been instances where I've asked for more and gotten it, you know, so I think it's important mm-hmm. to um, to ask, right? Yeah. You don't, if, yeah. unless you, if, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. That's mm-hmm. the way I learned over time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you don't yeah. ask, you're not going to mm-hmm. get. So I ask, I make not demands, but I make my requests kindly. I think yeah. it's important to do that. And how, when do you do that? Like oh, from the get way in advance so okay. that there's no misunderstanding. Cause I've had instances, incidences where there have been misunderstandings and things can go left. 
because mm-hmm. it w- there wasn't clear communication. And then you're upset. The artist is upset. <laughs> the organization yeah, yeah. is upset because we didn't all, we weren't all on the same page. So yes. for example, like even with working with, you know, black artists, for example, you know, we've got the sort of stereotype of, of a lot of our exhibitions happening in February, right. For black yeah. history month. And, yep. you know, there's been instances where I said, I'm not, you know, if depending on my mood, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I'm I'm more on I don't wanna open in February yeah, or if, if yeah. it opens in February, like keep my show up for three months. So then right. it's not there you part go. of it's only black history month. It, yeah. Exactly exactly. So you know, I've I've asked to have exhibitions shown at a different time and folks have agreed. Mm-hmm. And um I've asked oh, for Sorry, more Deirdre, money. we should have like another conversation <laughs> of like Black History Month. Well, that's what, we could do a whole podcast on that. We could do a whole podcast on that. You know, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a thing. But, you know, I, I feel like I had this conversation with the artists recently, more senior artists who used to work for Canon Council. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the issue of CARFAC and the standards. Yeah. And it's just a baseline, right? It's just a guide. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they were talking about how the same uh, artists, emerging artists gets the same fee as a senior artist. And I never really thought about it, but it's like, yeah, yeah, why aren't there levels? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like somebody who has 30 years experience is getting the Mm -hmm. same recommended fee as somebody who's been showing for three years or less you know yeah and and mm-hmm. it does make a difference and artists we know do not get paid <laughs> for what they do yeah you know really in the I grander mean, scheme mm-hmm. of things in terms of That's what they true. put into the work and yeah. so for me I'm advocating you know a for as much as high of a fee as possible Mm-hmm. you know uh and then also I'm advocating for if that's not possible then you know publication I'm advocating for um, technical resources. But like I said to you before, I I have my sort of mental Rolodex. Yes. You Let's know. talk about that Rolodex. I'm like, Rolodex. I don't have one. You I need, need to one. like create one. one. I need, need that mental, physical yeah. Rolodex yeah. of like, who to call you ha- if I have call. technical problems, who yeah. to call if like I fall short with like, te- like if there's not enough mm. technical staff mm-hmm. or what it's done who to call for like express vinyls or or do alternative or yeah yeah, like anything really yeah Um, it's true because it's our job to troubleshoot right it's our job to problem solve and it's like okay well if I can't get this if I can't get you know a 40 uh, you know 40 inch or whatever flat screen Mm-hmm. from the gallery then it's like okay can I borrow something from another organization I know the curator there or something it's like hey you know it's like there's a lot mm-hmm. of favors you need to call on as an independent curator because a right. lot of times uh, you know depending on the type of organization you're in they might not have the resources mm-hmm. you know and so um so I think so I, it's it's about learning to advocate for yourself first, like what are you comfortable with and not being afraid to ask and making mm-hmm. sure that you 
um, find out from the artist what they're comfortable with, because I've had also incidences where, you know, there was a misunderstanding, for example, about artists getting installation fees, where in my experience, a lot of galleries, public galleries still don't pay those. So no, no, it's never coming, really right? a budget. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, right. you know, they're, they're, they're thinking that the gallery is paying them to be there to install per day. And, and yeah. oftentimes that doesn't happen. And then, you know, then there's a misunderstanding there. Mm -hmm. um, and then also understanding that it's your responsibility to get that work up and presentable. So, you know, I know lots of senior curator, curators like myself who get on ladders and paint walls and do all that because it's all yeah. our responsibility. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if people are leaving at five, then I guess I have to be in there. I'm not just showing up to say, oh, yeah, it looks good. I'm in there yeah. like, you know, I'm putting labels up. Work right i'm doing all of that because it's my responsibility so you can't always mm -hmm. expect the institution i mean hopefully there's an understanding but at the end of the day it's like it's on me and if i have to put a nail in i guess i'm gonna yeah be that, and know? then i think sometimes you're cut off guard because you don't always know until when mm -hmm. you can stay um yes. and sometimes the gallery is far um from where you're staying so it's even mm -hmm. like you have to plan when you can come back and um, these are things to sometimes that you don't think through when you do your yeah. own like project timeline um, that you have to think through. And I think like for the curators um, that you're when you're a guest curator and that you're not there every day, but also, you know, for the artists that you're bringing in to be like very clear. And sometimes it's challenging because artists are not always working, you know, in the same pace with the same mm -hmm. type of schedule. Some people prefer working later in the day yeah some people yeah. more in the morning and so like how do you conjugate that it's like it's it's um yeah sometimes that's also when misunderstandings also happen it's because you're getting to know the people that you're working with you, you don't mm -hmm. always sometimes like you know them like they're your friends but you don't know them as professional artists right and <laughs> things and can change very differently yeah. from the person you know personally and then how they mm -hmm. work yes Which, yes you cannot make assumption about yeah. how they work yeah and so yeah we always come together and getting to know each other while working yes. in an environment that sometimes it's a high pressure I mean it is high yes. pressure you got to put it show up but I you think know. what you need to what is important to do I think is to be as clear in your communications as possible and to always consult with the artist because you don't want them showing up because I've had this happen where a work was installed incorrectly in a group show that I was in and uh, the, mm. the artist shows up at the opening mm. as like livid and then mm. the, the director is pissed off. And then it's just mm. like, oh, my gosh. And this was before the time of cell phones, right? Like nowadays, she could send the, the artist, okay, here's a picture. Like if they're not there, if they're mm -hmm. not there, I think oh, it's, it's important to sh do a video walkthrough or mm -hmm. take pictures or this is how it looks. Always mm -hmm. saying, are you comfortable? Are you, ha you happy with the install? But then you also need to assert yourself because sometimes as the curator, it's also your vision too. And you need to be able to say, you know what? No, I think it's better like this. And I've had mm -hmm. curators fought with artists a little bit mm -hmm. to say, no, I think it's going to be better like this. And then they come to me after say, yeah, you know what? You were right. 
the work looks better like this. And it's like, okay, trust me, you know, mm -hmm. because um, when you're so close to your work, making it and presenting it are two very different things. And that's mm -hmm. part of my job is like, I'm here to make, you know, I want it. I want the work to look good. I want people to understand the relationships. And so trust me that this vision, you know, we'll work it out collaboratively. But if I have an idea as a curator, then that, let's work out like an, a, a negotiation or consensus. Yeah. There's a lot of negotiation right? in, oh, a lot. in our role. And um, I am also curious about some of the like I want to I want more of those lessons <laughs> like we're getting into the thick of it because every every show is different and um every show we're learning something new I mean I've curated exhibitions uh co-curated exhibition mm -hmm. like in, in U-Haul trucks I mm. also did one at the Hearn for Illuminato and learned different things there each it's not a perfect different. science you know no, what I mean? when you put something exactly. out there into the universe into the public realm it's going to take mm -hmm. on a life it's of its own so you kind of have to let some of it go and yeah. say you know what i did the best i could and in some circumstances you're not going to get what you want it mm -hmm. is what it is you know what i mean like you try yeah. to do the best of your ability because as artists and as creative people we have a vision in our mind it's like okay this mm -hmm. is what i want and then as a curator and artist, is this is what I get. And it's like, yeah. how can I get closest to that vision as possible? But realizing there's going to be some, there might be some frustration. You're working within a team environment and, you know, you just try to prepare and plan as much as possible ahead of time because it's mm -hmm. a high pressure environment when you're working towards a deadline and you have yeah. to get something up at a certain time. And, and and that's you have to kind of work backwards. And if you can plan ahead as much as possible in, you know, for those kind of things, then it gives you time to be able to troubleshoot because you can consult, you can mm -hmm. make things if you need to make build something and you're not under the pressure cooker, you know, of of trying to pull something out of your hat at the last minute which drives everybody crazy <laughs> a lot of things are last minute <laughs> oh we're used There's to that always, we're used always to that. something coming up like yeah. i'm always i'm flabbergasted when like there's like smooth, smooth oh me too insults. i'm like this is I'm too like, easy something something's up yeah when it's too easy i get uncomfortable it's just like something's something's gonna have something's gonna pop up out of the blue or you're like question <laughs> did I made it is it <laughs> did I make yeah. it is it is it what it looks like when you make it <laughs> that's like, right maybe your install is easy yeah yeah sometimes it is but it's nice to <laughs> it's you know we're in a small kind of community I mean generally mm -hmm. and you know I think in a lot of cases people want to work with people that are easy to work with, you know, that it's because it's such a high pressure environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I think folks that are successful are not only folks that are talented, but they're people that are, then can get along with people. You know what I mean? Like this mm -hmm. is, you have to be able to be a good negotiator. You have to be confident. You have to be able to advocate for yourself and for the artists. And you have to be, um, 
to be able to accept when uh, I know also, you know, and, and right, right, right. That's part of it. It's kind of part of it because we're working within constraints and it's a competitive environment. And most of us don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of money in our organizations, unless we're working Mm -hmm. at a major one, but those spaces don't often have guest curators. A lot of them have have full-time curators. And so we're often going into spaces because the director curator doesn't have time because they're they're so swamped with administration that they need to, they don't have time to curate their own exhibitions. Like that's happened to me many times when Mm -hmm. I've been in an environment where I was the director curator and it's like, I, I can't, do the management of this organization and also create shows because we know how long it takes to do that right it does but also I think it's uh I think it's interesting when there is an institution that uh, has a director curator but also being self-aware that Mm. always having the same voice right even if you're treating different subjects um it's still the same way of thinking that goes into it. And therefore, yeah, it's not, it's not that it's going to make the same show at this, like all the time, but it's just kind of like thinking through, you know, what else, you know, how, how other conversation can be taken up. And then in some ways it's vivifying um, the, the institution in, Mm -hmm. in bringing somebody new. And also by bringing somebody new, it's a roster of artists that maybe like yourself, you wouldn't, think of and then right, you know right just the way that like things notions themes can be tackled it's like it's way different you know because it's outside of yourself but I understand it's true when you're a guest curator usually it's uh for um smaller institutions mm-hmm. um rather than bigger and then if it's a bigger one usually it's maybe for a specific event um yeah rather than yeah But what's so great about it is that you Mm -hmm. get to go into so many different types of organizations. You get to meet so many different people. You get to kind of be challenged into different kinds of spaces and architecture and troubleshoot. And then you can leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're not stuck there with those people. If you're like, I don't know if I'm into this vibe. I'm, I, I can bounce. I'm out of here. Don't get the, you don't get the passive aggressive <laughs> That's right. posted about like, cleaning the microwave. You know? Exactly. You don't, I'm like, I'm out of here. That. <laughs> so, so then, you know, I've had instances where I've, I've done a, a guest curatorial project. And then I, you know, maybe a couple of years later, actually I'm working in that space. So mm. you get to see, oh, you know what? This is a nice environment. I, the people are great. And then if a job comes up, then you kind of get and test the waters if the same people are still there and say, you know what, I like this place and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind working there. So you get Mm -hmm. to kind of go in and out a lot of different environments and spaces and kind of get to know a lot of about the, uh, the environment of the art world. So that's really nice. And so you've been curating for over 20 years, right? Like you said. Since yeah. 1998, so whatever that is, maybe it's more. How did you make it for yourself, you know, as a guest curator? Because I think um, a lot of people would think that maybe being a guest curator or like, you know, being in the gig economy, it's something you do um, only for a short period of time. Uh, you've done it for a while. Um, and I would love to hear more about how you've been juggling 
um, guest curating in other projects and if you have like tips around that? Mm-hmm. Well, I had, you know, so short intervals, maybe, maybe four or five years at institutions, mm-hmm. you know, so I have had experience working, you know, full time, which is kind of nice to have benefits and <laughs> things oh, like so that. Nice. I, miss, I miss my benefits. <laughs> I miss my right. Benefits. It's kind of nice <laughs> to also have those things, especially as one gets old on in years. But uh, <laughs> but I I think I think it's about well for one maintaining good relationships so people know mm-hmm. that you know they invite you back. Like I've I've mm-hmm. curated for the same organizations before, like multiple times. Amazing! And- I love to hear that. I'm, I'm right. sorry to interrupt, but I just no, love to okay. hear that. I think in thinking through like uh, longevity of a career and sustainability, that um, you can curate more than once for the same institution. It's yeah, it's incredible sure. to hear. It's great to hear. It's also sure. comforting to hear. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, you also need to be proactive for yourself. Like for me, I've pitched things to other organizations. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I have an idea. What do you think about this? You know, instead mm-hmm. of just waiting for an invitation or, you know, you could write a grant proposal, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, consult in consultation with an organization. So I'm very interested in partnering to, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of present something, especially if an organization doesn't have the budget. To right. create, you know, to fundraise, to do something maybe perhaps larger than that organization has done if they don't say do publications mm-hmm. and you're putting your time and, you know, experience into writing a grant application or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, looking for opportunities from, say, foundations like mm. Partners in Art and other organizations like that who are very much interested in, in collaborations. And so it's always kind of keeping your ear to the ground, you know, kind of looking for opportunities to see what's being put out there. But like I said, being proactive. And if there's a space that you feel aligns with you sort of ideologically, or you just like the space or you Mm -hmm. like the artists, the programming, you know, just, I would say, and I've done it just, you know, contact the curator or the director and, you know, I have an idea ask for a meeting, you know, ask, yeah, I mean, you know, hustle a little bit, you got to hustle. Yeah, you got to hustle independently <laughs> because you're, you know, yeah. your next paycheck or your, your mm-hmm. living depends on what you're doing. You know, yeah. you can't be waiting and, you know, you're planning exhibitions a year, two years in advance, sometimes more. And so I was mm-hmm. always trying to plan it so that it's like, okay, I got two or three gigs going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you got to be super organized because yeah. you're thinking, okay, this one's going to be coming up in a year. Okay. I can cover such and such for this, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's also residency programs, not a lot for curators. Let's- I know. Right. I'm like, right? this is, I'm like, <laughs> why on. are there more? We need, there should, we need do. more. Yes. A lot of yes. space. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing, because people don't realize how much research goes into curating. Like, it's not yeah. just putting up the exhibition, but it's like, you know, researching the artists, researching the thematics, going mm-hmm. to exhibitions, 
you know, yeah. uh, doing lots of reading, watching, looking, thinking about, yeah. right. Digesting, conversing. Yeah. That's yeah. right. But we don't often get paid for that part. Like we oh, don't no. get part. We don't get paid. We get paid to put up the show. Yeah. And we get a fee, but we don't really get paid to research. No, no one in the creative industry gets paid to research, but there's a line, there's a line in Carfax for that. It's just never added up. It doesn't add up. The proposed fee, you know, there's all of these suggestions in Carfax, but it's never, we never get the full Carfax, you know, spectrum of fee when no. approached because that's the thing Carfax is a tally and not just yes, the end. It's, a, it's a minimum it's standard a, right mm-hmm, exactly yeah and yeah. um yeah and oh this is so rich I'm so happy and now I'm <laughs> like oh maybe we should have more conversations also about like how do you write your first uh, yeah oh residencies for yeah. sure I mean you and I we've been talking we've been yes. you know we are retreats shenaniganing (laughs) we're flooding we're flooding in that realm (laughs) and but I was also just thinking about like for artists it's also challenging but for curators it could also be challenging of like how do you draft that email exactly like that hustly email Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know to talk to a gallery but also I think it's just kind of um exploring all of the um, ways that you can, um, you know, like make money out mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. what you know, um, and um, and like yeah, using your skills for other types of contracts and 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 kind of like mixing short, like yes. short terms yes. gigs with long term gigs so that you can, you know, sustain yourself. I think that's like a full other podcast conversation it is it is it is (laughs) we need I feel that like from what I've learned and being on both sides of Mm -hmm. the coin I guess or spectrum Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it is that a lot of us within institutions are really overworked (laughs) especially in the if you're you know a director or like a a curator in a management kind of position. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and and it's a field of, you know, competition. And, and I feel that we're a lot of curators and directors are constantly being approached, you know, mm-hmm. come see my work, you know, getting proposals that, you know, I used mm-hmm. to have back in the day when there was paperwork and not on computer, mm-hmm. I used to have like a box of proposals under my desk, like a, you know, just piles of stuff where I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to have a chance to read all of these. Yeah. And, and so I think for an email, you just have to be succinct. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, it's not like a 20, like, you know, you're not writing a, you know, a book, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're not just, you know, quick and to the point, this is what I, you know, would you be interested in? And then if, Mm -hmm. and then ask for more, if they're interested, you know, I can send you more info. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've done shows that way where I was like, you know what, this is coming at the right time. I like yeah. the approach and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have reached out, to it, but they pr- presented an opportunity for me and it worked out. So mm-hmm. you never know. You just never yeah. know. It's worth it. You know, it's worth just putting it out there, but you know, it's short, concise, 
without the pressure, like you need me kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right, right. Just to be kind of diplomatic, if you can use mm-hmm. that word. Um, and just, you know, it's all a gamble. Gentle approach. Like uh, just being just, toe yeah. in the water approach. <laughs> that kind of, I would say that maybe, you know. Yeah. Not yeah. being too too uh too forceful with it, assertive, mm-hmm. but not hitting people over the head. <laughs> right, you right. Know? If they say if they say no, like after the fourth or fifth time, it's time to give up. I've had people like this person again, like, oh my gosh. I'd be like, maybe it's better for you know for another organization, but it's yeah. not fitting. It's not gonna fit. It's hard. I know that like everybody <laughs> in the arts is so tough. overworked. And as you said, there's competition. Yeah. And I think the, what people don't hear a lot is like competition in the institution that you're working yeah. in and how actually, even if you're a curator, if you're working in a, you know, a public institution, national institution or whatnot, um, the time that you get to actually like have a show like it can take a really long time before you curate your first show in your position as a curator because you are actually pitching against other curators and only x amount of shows are uh, facilitated and fully funded um, per year and there's this whole also question of like marketing is this mm-hmm. show marketable would that drive you know big numbers of audience and there's like all of these other factors that we're not really talking about how it's actually it can be hard to navigate um you know cruise cruise ships <laughs> yeah and people- like, cruise ships. <laughs> like big big institutions are like cruise ships it just takes like a really long time to like shift one side and get right things right. done and and I think, yeah, that's a whole other conversations. Uh, and and um, then yeah. and then there's also the question of like the landscape, like say in mm-hmm. Canada, which is a big country geographically, but small mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. how many centers for exhibitions we actually have. Yeah. And so, you know, it could people sometimes don't understand, like if they showed the work of one artist say two years ago they're not going to show them again maybe for another like unfortunately sometimes that happens where you know Mm -hmm. or if if they showed uh artists or artists that are at a gallery that's close to that area geographically they might not show that artist for a while Mm -hmm. either because it's like oh well we've shown that work because it's very strange kind of sometimes way that things get programmed in terms of oh um what's being seen and shown I mean in some Mm -hmm. centers not naming names you see a lot of the same names over and over where I'm just Mm -hmm. like there's so many artists out here who are not getting exhibitions why are isn't Mm so-and-so getting shown yeah yeah, but yeah, then yeah. You're seeing the same person, but they're having shows all across Canada because people think, oh, okay, well, they probably work well. They probably they produce on time. They're good to work with, and so and their work is good. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's a combination, strange combination of factors. It's not just about being talented. It's not just about being, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing good work. It's also about like the 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 ecology of mm-hmm. who's being seen and when 
And mm-hmm. so I think as a curator, part of our job is to be kind of a bit tapped in yeah. to what's happening um, and understanding, but also being for like being able to think forward to say, oh, this right. is an innovative kind of idea, I think, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. haven't seen. I'm not mm-hmm. repeating the wheel. I'm presenting, you know, and what I feel is sort of an interesting idea or I yeah. feel like is kind of in conversation with what people are thinking about culturally at the moment. And maybe people want to explore these ideas a bit more with these Mm -hmm. artists and what these artists are working on. And so it's about kind of knowing what else is going on within the art world, if you can call it that. So, you know, (laughs) reading and, you know, like reading, you know, uh, listening to podcasts and such and kind of, yeah listening to my podcast right like yours (laughs) you know what are people taking what are people taking up with you know like for me for the last couple of years I've been thinking a lot about this idea of the post-human you know I've been thinking like following the conversation with like what Tama Golden was like also trying to do early 2000 and like picking up from there yeah well this idea of how you know, the whole ideology of the museum and how it's built into this like civilizing mission about who's Mm -hmm. primitive and who's not and who's human and who's not and how people are treated as objects and all of this kind of thing that relates to social capitalism and it relates Mm -hmm. to art in a deep way that people sometimes don't understand but or forget easily or forget, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I I was like really fortunate to be able to go to Venice the last few weeks, a few weeks ago to see the biennial. And a lot of the conversation I was around the post-human and I go, what is it about this idea that artists are so taken up with? And you start to feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm tapped in somehow to this. And I, I felt kind of affirmed in my own curiosity around these things, because, you know, people are looking at this kind of new definition, good or bad about who we are as people in this world. And I think that's what a lot of art tells us is how I learn and what inspires me, you know, is, is Mm -hmm. what the artist is communicating, Mm -hmm. you know, what is this, what are, what is this work saying? You know, I think that part of our job as curators, curators are is to be storytellers in a, in a way also to mm-hmm. create uh, narratives and to put these works into context it's not just putting something up on the wall or in a space or whatever but what is it actually saying together so, as a right as a exactly. kind of di- uh, space of dialogue and and right. also one that is open enough for visitors to yeah, uh, contribute to that dialogue and 100%. Uh, feeling like they can be part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ooh, so I don't have an issue. I don't have like, an issue oh. if someone if someone is upset with seeing yeah. the work. Yeah, and it's like that's what yeah. they bring to it. Like I kind of like it in a way because we don't like, always agree when we are we in conversation, right? No, and so. we shouldn't. I don't think mm-hmm. we should. And 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 especially if you're dealing with work that's a little bit more politically charged, yeah. then you know someone's going to get upset. And what you need to have is the 
the support of the institution, which in some cases for me, that hasn't happened, which is another sort of thing to kind of explore more because it's like, who's going to pick you up if things go left, if someone's upset about the show, then they're not going to hang you out to dry and say, Mm -hmm. oh, call the curator. And, you know, they got to say, this is, we made the decision to show this work because yes. we believed in it. This is the artist's interpretation, but we mm-hmm. stand behind it because I've seen things go left with people who who put it all on the curator or the artist and throwing mm-hmm. you know, people under the bus to save face. That's right. That's which not is not correct. Not good. <laughs> you know, that's, that's another thing Pamela. to kind of advocate for. <laughs> Yeah, I can talk to you for ages because (laughs) that's just our vibe and that's our vibe vibe and I and I also always think that we have rich conversations and as I said like I've learned a lot from you um, in the past few that we have met and I was excited to meet you. I remember <laughs> when I saw your show. Uh, I think it was with your uh, your collective W five. Oh right, yes, yes. Uh, a while ago, um, yes. And Andrea Fatona did the introduction, and I was like all shy because I knew <laughs> that you had, you know, studied. The- I, at Concordia oh, and I said oh, yes. wrote and then the art and I was like oh I could be maybe a curator too and um I'll just to say our oh, time curators. is coming we're, to- we're a unique we're, we're a unique brand of, of people <laughs> <laughs> we really are we really are <laughs> Yes. Look at us, yeah. unique brands. Unique brands. <laughs> unique brands. It should be a t-shirt. And <laughs> I have so many <laughs> ideas for our t-shirts that I've been juggling with my friend Evdangi. Uh, we might have an art line. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, and do tote bags um, too, because I like those. If you, if okay. you think of it, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll throw in some some tote bags. Throw some tote bags. <laughs> but I I don't want to keep you longer and. And um, I mean, my last question, I think, for all the interview is always in terms of like, you know, what excites you and what you're working on. And then you talked about those like really like delicious ideas of uh, post-humans and what you have observed uh, in Venice. But I just wanted to know, like, is there like one last thing that you want to share with our audience? This conversation was like, uh, is gold. And I'm sure I'm going to say that for like all the episodes because I truly believe in the people I've invited um, and definitely thinking of, yeah, continuing all these conversations. But yeah, is there something mm-hmm. um, else that you would like to share or something that is coming up for you? Um, I mean, it's yeah. lunching yeah. later than when we meet, but I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, no, I've been thinking about uh, a lot about collections the mm. last couple of years. And it's not something that I really have done a lot of, except when I was working in institutions of working with museum collections. But I had the opportunity in 2019 to do an exhibition called It's From Here That the World Unfolds, which mm. was an exploration mm. of um, one of our largest collections in the museum at McMeister of uh, a uh, collector called Herman Levy. 
who mm-hmm. donate you know millions of dollars of worth of art focus on the European canon. And for me, I was like, how do I deconstruct this work? <laughs> how do I put it in conversation with the ideas that I'm interested in? And I've always yeah. been interested in, in artists and curators like Fred Wilson, who did mining the museum, mm-hmm. who was looking at these Iconic. Iconic. Yeah. Like, I love that. Iconic. Yeah. Iconic, you know, and then also uh, um, how the MoMA, which I had an opportunity to see the, the rehanging of their collections, you know, mm-hmm. seeing work like Picasso next to Faith Ringgold and seeing the relationships between those mm-hmm. works. And so I'm working with my colleague at uh, McMaster, um, Rianne Fertran, who's the, the curator of Indigenous art. And we're doing a pretty big show called The Grand Detour, hmm. which is a uh, major exhibition in all four of our galleries, which is a play off the aristocratic journeys that men used to take in the 18th century through the European centers as part of their education in the arts. And we're oh, yeah. unpacking, <laughs> we're kind of doing a detour. We're kind of doing a deconstruction of how, you know, like I was talking before about the civilizing mission of yes, the ideology of the white cube, you mm-hmm. know, the, the ideas around orientalism and indigenous worldviews how we mm-hmm. can look at our collection that we have from that land so i'm i'm pretty, pretty excited about doing that oh my god that's yeah. so exciting <laughs> it's re- yeah. i can't wait i i want to hear more i'm i'm like oh i love the connections that you are making and in, in terms of i think that's what draw drew me in terms of like to want to know more about museum studies is Mm -hmm. Uh, when I first understood the missions of museum and how they were created and why but I also I like the idea of not only tackling those ideologies like in the practice of building the museum but also what were the type of pilgrimage that were done to also kind of like ingrain that sort of um, mythology of civilization and so and I think it's not something that is like really tackled like the side that is like really talked about is like yeah like those rich young men going to different cities to be in awe with you know Greek civilization like Roman civilization um re-narrating their you know, quote unquote supremacy to themselves. That's right. That's right. That's (laughs) right. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, unpacking all that, unpacking the, yeah, you know, the sexual ex- escapades and the misogyny of those journeys. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's about sort of reconsider- reconsidering what an institution like a museum is, right? About mm-hmm. putting that in, in, in a more critical light. And you know, kind of considering yeah. what, how, what kind of institutions or museums or, or gallery spaces or whatever we want to call them, what, what, what kind do we want to have into the future? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And I will again, I will like insist on saying that critical thinking and like revisioning, critical revisioning is actually activism. Because yes, there is okay. a reason why there's a reason why <laughs> right now things are going down the way they're going down in the US with the critical thought mm, and race critical right. theory, you know, right. it's bringing dialogues forward in places that are like 
basically turning the world as we know on its head. And so it's a different type of activism. It's not the frontline ones, um, but there's different level, not level in terms of a hierarchy, but I think there's just different ways of creating a revolution and ours is in the gallery space and the ways that we are relating to each other. And I think this is activism. (laughs) Okay, amen to that. Amen to that. (laughs) You concur. I I want more moments for me to just say, I concur. Uh, I love that word. Okay. (laughs) I know you have things to do, a life to live, and people to meet and love today. And um, and so I think we'll end here. But again, always a pleasure talking to you, seeing you you so much. And thank you for being here with me in this conversation and <laughs> this thing I'm trying Thank to you so much. put together. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I'm really inspired and I'm looking forward to, to hearing uh, the other conversations. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting moment we're in, an important revolutionary moment. It is. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a time. <laughs> it's a time and the it's arts are as important as ever and our roles yeah. are important this is important as ever and let's advocate for ourselves yeah let's advocate for ourselves oh my god yes let's leave with let's advocate for ourselves i love it okay, okay. All, right. all right have a good day Ciao. bye 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 This episode was made possible through the support of the Canada Arts Council and the Centre of the Study of Black Canadian Diaspora. I send my deepest gratitude to my collaborator and invited guest. I am grateful for your presence, labour and for embarking on this adventure with me. I recorded this episode in Jajage, which is situated on the traditional territory of the Kanyakehaga nations and long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst many First Nations, including the Kanyakehaga of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, Uhawandat, Abenaki, and Anishinaabe. The theme music is Raindrops Unhearted by Shaltekla.